up level up nation and welcome to the thursday december 15th edition of level up live your home for gaming esports news brought to you by otn media my name is fiasco you can call me john and i am joined as always by the king of the court side but you can call him joey what's up buddy how are you doing good sir we are back uh it's a little bit different so people are probably gonna find their way here as they realize we did change the show's recording date to tonight this week and that's because of something we talked about, I think, a couple weeks ago on the show. Uh, we are actually heading down to Raleigh for the HCS event this weekend. So, unfortunately, with all those travel plans in mind, we are not able to record tomorrow. So you guys get us tonight. But, hey, we still are coming with plenty of gaming and esports news. Uh, John, there's a lot to discuss tonight. I feel like we're dipping into quite a few topics, uh, as well as some new game announcements that are pretty exciting as well. Absolutely. But Nation, before we hop into the show, a little bit of homework here for you. Make sure you follow the show on social media. That is Twitter and Facebook at Level Up Live. And while you're on Twitter, why not give Joey a follow? Follow him at follow him at Courtside King. Follow myself at Fiasco as well if you're joining us here live on Twitch. What is up? You're at the best place to have the level up experience here on Twitch. Uh, normally Thursday nights at 8 p.m., but tonight, of course, Wednesday, because, uh, Joey, we have a four-and-a-half-hour drive down to North Carolina coming up, and uh, I'm going to be tired. Yeah, so we're going to go to bed early that day. But anywho, uh, thank you for tuning in on Twitch. If you can't tune in on Twitch, don't worry. We have a podcast version of the show for you as well. Level Up Podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere else you can find an RSS feed for a podcast. Just look up level up podcast and we will be there for you as well and nation again make sure you follow the show and joey and myself on social media we'll be giving you live updates from the halo uh, event down in raleigh north carolina all weekend long if you want to get firsthand uh, uh uh you know news what's going on what the vibe is like as lands are returning uh, as the world is slowly creeping back towards normal make sure you follow those social media accounts as well don't forget, if you want to be dubbed a super fan of Level Up Live, if you want to be a super fan of OTN, if you want to just give a little bit more to help OTN create some amazing content and bring you some more news and information behind the scenes uh, news that we bring from time to time here on Level Up Live and across all of our OTN media platforms, then do check out Patreon, patreon.com slash OTN, consider becoming uh, a Patreon member of OTN. We would appreciate it, but it's not required. You listening, you tuning in, you interacting with the community is more than enough. That's what we want to, uh, to be here for you guys to build that community. But again, if you want to take that step a little bit further, maybe you got a little holiday money you want to spend here and there. Maybe you got that Amazon Gaming Prime sub that you want to use. Uh, look towards OTN Media to help fund our amazing content going forward. All right, Joey, we touched on it a little bit, but what are we talking about today on this Wednesday edition of Level Up Live? We're talking about how we did not finish the notes ahead of today's show. <laughs> no, uh, there's quite too. a bit to talk about. We've had a couple acquisitions, so we'll touch on those a little bit. And then from there, we're going to dive into a few other things here. Uh, the Microsoft documentary and the history of Xbox came out, so we'll briefly touch on that. We'll talk about Minecraft. We'll talk about the Game Awards that happened last week. Some nice award winners there, as well as some cool reveals. Uh, from there, we'll slide into a new game studio by Dr. Disrespect and much, much more. 
All right, Joey. Um, I feel, I feel like because we switched it to Wednesday, like notes aren't done. I don't even have my drink of choice ready to go. It's just Hot feels like mess a Monday. Express is what yeah. it is over here. Absolutely. But let's go ahead. Well, you know, we'll go ahead and just swing it, Joey. Drink of choice. Do you have a beverage for tonight's show? I have three beverages. Um, oh my god! I am drinking the little bit left of this like oaky Chardonnay. I have nice. a what is this? Uh, this is a black cherry sparkling water, and I also have regular water. So I'm triple fisting tonight, ladies and gentlemen. So, so you have a dab of Chardonnay, which I am judging you for. Uh, <laughs> you have sparkling water and regular water. I do. Yeah, I wanted a tad bit of wine, so I just poured a tiny bit because we're trying to nurse the Chardonnay. I am not a white wine drinker unless it's like super, super, super dry, and this is not dry enough, so I have to take it in little doses. I'm not a big sweet wine fan at all. I'm bougie. I have Coke I'm Zero. sorry. <laughs> Straight up Coke Zero, large glass with ice. We're calling it a day there. No alcohol in it because uh, I'm already tired enough as it is. And falling asleep on stream is not what I want to do. No, and we have a very long week ahead of us, John. So we got to keep that energy high. And I can't be singing and cheering too loud to keep you up the whole time, you know? I mean, just on the just on the four-hour drive down to North Carolina is, is all I would need. Uh, and then we'll let uh, all the energy drinks affect me as we go at the <laughs> Halo event as well. But Nation, enough of how we're going to survive a four-hour road trip down to North Carolina. Let's get into why you are here, why you are listening, why you are tuned in on Twitch. It is time for Gaming and Esports News. Joey, let's go! Absolutely. Kicking it off with that one acquisition that we're going to discuss. There have been some roster moves here and there, but again, we're compiling some of those for League of Legends for Overwatch. We'll talk about them a little bit closer to the start of the season in January. For now, though, the business of gaming and esports, Sean, it has been booming. Uh, it's been booming everywhere except for Call of Duty franchise slots, but we'll touch on that later. Uh, for now, there are acquisitions in gaming. We've seen a lot of them. Xbox Bethesda this year. Sony's acquired like seven studios this year. Uh, Tencent, I think, is around the 10 to 20 mark at this point, and Embracer very high as well. Well, Embracer's not done. Uh, they have embraced the acquisition season and have entered into exclusive negotiations to acquire Asmodi. Uh, that's an international publisher and distributor for board games, video games, trading cards, and more. Uh, for those that don't follow too much into the European game scene, uh, Asmodee is made up of 22 studios and 2,000-plus employees and includes the rights to over, not three, not 30, but 300 IPs. 300 IP rights. That is huge value in and of itself. On top of that, the amount being spent here by Embracer is right around 3 billion euros. Uh, that's even a little bit higher in dollars if I remember the conversion rate right. So we're talking big money, guys. Uh, we're not talking Xbox Bethesda. That deal did end up being a little bit more than this one, about double the price. But in the end, $3 billion is nothing to slouch out. One of the biggest acquisitions in gaming to date. And we do have a press conference for it tomorrow morning at the bright, bushy-eyed time of 2.15 a.m. Eastern time for those that want to tune in. Thoughts on this editing. move, John? So Embracer, <laughs> Xbox Bethesda, again, very, very big move. The biggest move we've probably seen in gaming, uh, I think, ever, to be honest, as far as affordability goes when we look at acquiring studios. Uh, this, maybe not the second, but definitely in the top five. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a it's a big deal. Um, anytime there's a big merger, anytime there, there's a coming together of minds, anytime, uh, you know, the powerhouses get together, it's always, always a big deal. Um, it's quite normal, like in the business world, to see mergers like that. But I feel like the, the, the gaming industry is just really starting to boom, and we're seeing more and more of uh, these acquisitions. Uh, you know, it's 
it's a good thing. It, it's a good thing. You know, yeah, we have to. All, we all have to remember it, we're still coming out of an international pandemic. A lot of businesses are hurt, including the gaming industry. Mergers are another way for businesses to survive. Uh, so it, it, I think it's a. I think it's a great move. Yeah, overall, a very big move. Embracer, uh, I think it was a couple of months back, maybe in September or August, we mentioned that they're in talks with about 100 different game developers uh, as far as acquisitions go. This right here would account for possibly 22 of those since it is technically 22 studios uh, if this move does go through. So a nice chunk of some of those negotiations that Embracer is currently involved in. Moving on into some other news, let's talk Minecraft, John. Building it block by block, has Minecraft become one of the biggest games in the world? Absolutely. On top of that, it is one of the biggest games, in fact, the biggest game streamed on YouTube. It has surpassed 1 trillion views at the moment. It is the first game to break the 1 trillion view milestone, and they are celebrating today, both YouTube and Minecraft, with some very nice tweets out there for those interested. And Minecraft, currently, the current count of Minecraft creators on YouTube is over 35,000 now with some of those from over 150 different countries, not the individuals, but overall the full creator base of 35,000, over 150 different countries represented. Uh, John, we knew Minecraft was big. We know the generated world itself is big within Minecraft, but the number of players that Minecraft has is absolutely off the charts. The monthly user of that game is so high month over month. Uh, overall, it just continues to be a huge investment for Microsoft as well, and now a big investment for YouTube too. You know, it, it's always funny because, like, you hear, like, uh, the, the loudest voices in gaming talking about, you know, we want the best technology, we want the best graphics, we want the best experiences. You know, as technology continues to grow and advance, we want things looking more realistic. And then here comes Minecraft, uh, li literally in its, its entire 8-bit format, it feels like. Uh, looks like something that was designed in the early 90s, uh, and, it's, and it's crushing it. It's absolutely crushing. It just goes to show that uh, it's not just about how a game looks, how the game plays. There's so there's so many more things that go into creating a game that develops a community, survives the test of time, and continues to grow. I mean, when you took a, when you take a look at how Minecraft is utilized, not only is it kind of like you know this this sandbox for people to to kind of build and create and but it's also used as a, a teaching utility uh, for design, for uh, you know coding, for I mean, Minecraft does a lot of things incredibly well in a very simplistic way. And I think that's the true beauty of Minecraft is that while yes, the game itself looks simple, it is so involved, it is so diverse, it is so in depth and, and rich. Uh, in things the game is possible, uh, can, can, can oh, yeah, words are difficult today. Uh, things that the game is able to do and teach, that's the main selling point. Like, you're not going to get the same kind of lesson from like Dark Souls that you will from Minecraft, uh, for, you know, from Life is Strange from Minecraft. You know, Minecraft hits home in a very specific area that, that is needed to teach the future generation. Uh, you know, and keep their imagination alive going forward. And when it comes to creating everything, I think it's great. And it just goes to show you because one trillion views on YouTube is absolutely massive. Over 150 countries, uh, you know, assisting in making those videos and in those views. Over 35,000 content creators for Minecraft. Game is alive. The game is doing incredibly well. The game is continuing to grow. And the game will be an, a, 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 an asset going forward for as far as you can see into the future. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just a huge game, a huge franchise. It's one, if I remember correctly, Microsoft bought them for $2 billion. Uh, I would say they're probably worth around $40 billion plus at this point. So if you want to talk about investments, that one has definitely worked out for Microsoft, uh, as well as YouTube here. Like John said, I mean, they're bringing in huge content. One trillion views is a giant milestone for YouTube, giant milestone for Microsoft, giant milestone, obviously, for Minecraft and the developers there, Mojang. Huge, huge stuff coming out from them. But speaking of Minecraft's history, that also bleeds into Microsoft and Xbox, which we touched on a bit there. Power on the story of Xbox, the documentary series. It was teased back in November at the Xbox anniversary event. It has now released. It's six episodes of the 20-year journey of Xbox's history, uh, as well as the Xbox Museum. If you guys haven't checked that out, that is available as well. Uh, John, if you want to pull up that museum by chance, we'll go ahead and pull that up. Uh, we won't mention too much on the documentary. I don't think John has seen it. I've only seen half of the first episode, so not really too much to take away on that yet as far as personally. Um, but as far as what I'm seeing on like Twitter and different social media platforms, it seems like people are really enjoying it. Uh, it sounds like they got people from all over the industry, from Nintendo, from Sony, uh, from different big game developers as well, and publishers just to come in and give their feedback on Xbox's history, uh, as well as old Xbox executives and the different challenges they face being a part of a big tech corp like Microsoft, but also someone who is the big giant of Windows. How do you sell something else when Windows itself is doing so well? And I think it was some interesting stuff going in there as far as insight, as well as just kind of taking hits at themselves here and there. And I think they did a good job with it. I have hardware acceleration turned off, so it's not going to load because, you know. Lay rep. Well, we'll post the link in chat for those listening to the podcast where most of you guys listen. Uh, Museum.xbox.com. If you go to that, you will be able to go ahead and walk through the history of Xbox. Uh, it's pretty much like a normal museum you would go to, but virtually, obviously. And there's like little slides. There's little sections. You can listen to audio clips and watch videos and different paragraphs you can read and things all like that. It's pretty cool. And then there's a personal museum as well, where if John could have pulled it up, we could have pulled into his like most played Xbox games or most played uh -huh. f series throughout the Xbox history or whatever, different little user statistics as well. So really cool. If you want to check out a cool virtual experience, that one is definitely worth doing. Museum.xbox.com. And again, Power on the Story of Xbox is now available. I don't exactly know where. I was watching on YouTube for the first episode. I think it's also like on Roku and a bunch of other streaming platforms. So I'm sure you can find it somewhere if you're interested. Okay, enough Xbox. Let's talk Game Awards. Uh, John, there was a lot that happened on the Game Awards. We had the pleasure of being official co-streamers once again last Thursday, uh, jumping in there. I think the biggest criticism I have for the awards is that three and a half hour length was a little bit long to be co-streaming, uh, especially with our pre-show and post-show afterwards. It just felt like a very, very long show. Um, the Game Awards in and of itself, as well as our show, just how exhausting it was. Yeah. Um, look, I, I really enjoy... Uh Game Award shows, I, I I don't enjoy a three and a half hour long show than like everything else also. Like that that was like it felt like a twenty hour stream in all honesty. <laughs> it was just a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. And, you know, and I get it. They're, they're they're trying to pack a lot of things into one show, and I get that. But you know, even the Oscars, even the Academy Awards, even the Grammys don't you know give that much airtime to every single award a lot of things take place during the pre-show a lot of things take place off air as well and i feel like if you're going to have that many categories and then you're also going to throw on their like content creator of the year 
uh, look, it, and it's no disrespect to content creators out there, but you know, you don't need you know a a three minute hype piece for for content creator of the year because I'm gonna be honest with you, if if they're nominated for content creator of the year, one people should know them. Uh, and you shouldn't have to have a hype video or a sizzle reel or anything for them to try to describe who they are and what they do. Uh, it should be pretty straightforward. For every single eSport category, I think they did it right. They, they, they announced, okay, this is the, you know, the thing for the best eSports uh, game of the year. And then they showed on screen. They don't even read them out loud. And then they're like, oh, and the winner is League of Legends. Shocker. And then it moves on. Like I, I feel like that needs to be, uh, or at least... You know, do that, but read the you know nominees. That needs to be like the standard for a good chunk of the awards that don't really have uh, a a need to have that three to five to seven minute uh, piece attached to it, uh, and that would cut down the length of the show quite a bit. And I think a lot of people would be happy with that. Yeah, that seemed to be the biggest critique overall. People were happy with the game show, and people were overall happy with the award winners. But both from the critic side and the fan side on social media, it definitely came across that it was a little bit longer than people would have hoped for. With that being said, there were a lot of announcements, both award winners and those announcements of new games, as well as some new video content of games that were already announced shown. So just to dive into a couple of those for you guys here with us on the podcast, as well as live with us here on Twitch, let's take a look at the Hellblade 2 trailer. John, this one in particular stood out. Uh, I would say it was probably the most visually appealing trailer as far as actual actually what the technology could do when we look at next gen technology we're thinking okay well we're not quite there yet you have games like halo that are still being built for xbox one as well so while it does look pretty good on a high-end pc it's still built for those older generation consoles and most of the building and development of that game was on those consoles we're not really quite to the point where it's just that ps5 xbox series x new pc hardware type of games hellblade looks different Hellblade hits different. Uh, this game is expected, originally expected for 2022, now looking probably closer to 2024, maybe 2023 at the earliest. Uh, John, this is in-game, it's like in-game cinematics, not just in-engine, but actually in-game gameplay here. A lot of people were very surprised by this, expecting it not to actually be in-game at first. Uh, but developers have come out, they've shown more samples of it since. They've come out and corroborated it on Twitter and other social media platforms. So guys, this is in-game footage of Hellblade 2. Uh, John, as far as character animations go, I don't think anything to this date has come close yet. I'm going to be honest. I have a hard time still believing this is in-game footage. It's just that good. Um, you know, watching it when the trailer was first announced during the Game Awards, I was blown away. It looks absolutely incredible. The detail, how the characters are being rendered, the lighting, the texture, everything that's involved in this, it looks absolutely freaking stunning and that still isn't a good enough explanation of how good this looks um it, it, it's insane it's absolutely insane to think that you know an xbox series x or a playstation 5 is going to be able to run it uh, just looking at this it feels like you have to have like a five thousand dollar computer with you know a 3090 ti supermax uh, and and an i12 processor, if that's even a thing, just you know, like premier top of the line, like secret service kind of equipment only to run this stuff. It, it, it's absolutely incredible, and and this just goes back to what I was saying that as technology continues to grow, like I was saying during like the, the uh, when we're talking about Minecraft, like 
games don't have to be like this to be successful, but for a large population of, of gamers that enjoy games as technology grows, the, the older generation of gamers, this is what you want, and this is absolutely incredible. I mean, absolutely blown away by this trailer. Um, you know, I, I, again, still having a hard time believing that this is actually in-game footage. That's just how stunning this whole thing is. Right. Like, I was impressed with Flight Sim with their environments. I was super impressed with Forza, both the environments and the cars. Uh, the Last of Us, even on PlayStation 4, looked really strong as well. But moving forward, next-gen graphics, this just looks so good. And I can only imagine what other stuff, like, eventually God of War is going to look like when it comes out. It won't be quite this level because it is somewhat developed on the PS4 platform still as well. But moving forward, this is going to be the next norm. More and more games will be moving this direction and looking photorealistic like this one. So uh, with years still in development, I can only imagine what the final graphics will look like. I mean, just look at Halo, like Halo. Halo 2020 versus Halo 2021 looks a completely different game. Then look at Hellblade. It already looks this good, and we're still three, four years out maybe. This thing could look phenomenal when it eventually comes out if you don't think it does already. So really exciting stuff there. We'll have to keep an eye on that one as we do get closer. Uh, next game, John, to go on the list here, Star Wars Eclipse. So Star Wars Eclipse is going to be the first Star Wars game to take place in the High Republic, or at least the first announced Star Wars game to take place in the High Republic. Uh, a couple little things on this one. So I've done a bit more research. Uh, it's expected to launch in late 2024, 2025 at the earliest. Uh, so this is a very, very early trailer uh, coming out as an announcement trailer. It's still quite a ways away. Again, Hellblade right in that same general time window, a little bit earlier on that side. Uh, but this one is quite later. On top of that, there are some other things to mention with this one. Uh, Star Wars fans have taken to Twitter and other social media platforms asking for Lucasfilm Games to break the deal with Quantic Dreams due to the company being known to be a toxic workplace. We've talked about this a little bit on Discord as well before, um, but it, it's not a great place to work according to a number of people. There's been all different claims from sexual harassment uh, to gender uh, genderization. I don't know the actual term because uh, I can't think of it right now, um, but a number of different things from harassment to sexualization to a unclear workplace environment as far as norms and really morals in general within the workplace at Quantic Dreams. Uh, not necessarily all of Quantic Dreams, but particularly the Paris branch has had a lot of issues. So they're also struggling to hire. Go figure. Who would have saw that one coming? Uh, the studio that has had misogyny and all different other issues going on over there, struggling to hire people, and now the Star Wars fans as well, coming out and speaking out against the game. Um, John, I don't blame them. I'm excited for a game to take place in the High Republic era. I think that's a really cool era for Star Wars to eventually explore further. They've been doing so far in books and audiobooks and even comics at that rate, but they haven't really dove into it as far as film or video games as of yet. Uh, this would kind of be that first step, or at least the first step we know about trending in that direction. With that being said, uh, it's never good to support a studio like this. We've seen a lot of it this year with Activision Blizzard as well and all the issues they currently have going on. Uh, at least from the sound of things, it is somewhat of a similar situation over there at Quantic Dreams as well. Yeah, you know, and, and this really puts you know, the gaming and Star Wars community in a really tough spot. Um, you know, the, the High Republic is Star Wars' newest era, if you will, uh, in that story, in that galaxy far, far away, if you will. And uh, one of the big things uh, Disney uh, and Star Wars has been doing with the High Republic is, is trying to make it very inclusive, very representative of that diverse Star Wars fan base uh, that that culture that spans worldwide, trying to be 
more accepting of people's differences, uh, 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 you know, uh, likenesses. Like having a Star Wars fan being able to sit down and identify with a character uh, in game or in a story, uh, saying, "Hey, that person I connect with because that person can represent." who I am, who I believe I am, who I feel I am, who, who I identify with. Uh, and that's always important. That, that's the way a lot of people get attached to these games is by being able to identify with a character, with a character story. And, and you know, I don't blame the Star Wars community one bit for being upset about it uh, because, you know, it, it's very difficult to, to sit here and read what's coming out from the studio uh, when it comes to misogyny, homophobia, uh, sexual harassment, um, you know, it's, it's not a good place to work. Like you said, they're struggling to hire people, uh, especially in that Paris office. And it just, it, 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 it sends the wrong message when you try to create, um, an era of star Wars that's inclusive, but then you have a studio who is known to be anything but inclusive working on this project. Um, so I feel like the Star Wars fans are hundred percent correct to be calling out Lucasfilm and Disney uh, to try to get them to find a different developer. Um, now, Joey, let, let, let's be honest here. You know, we've seen things like this happen in the past where a game in pre-production in very early development. That's the other thing, too. Uh, that trailer is not game footage. It, 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 it's, it's nowhere close. Uh, this is completely in pre-production. That was all CGI. Uh, that is nowhere close to anything comparable to what we would see in game. With it being this early, if Disney and Lucasfilms pull out of this deal, there's a very good chance this game will never see the light of day past this trailer. Uh, and, and, and that has to be a realization here. But I also feel like, you know, it, 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 that's not going to be the end of the High Republic era. Um, you know, another studio may pick up uh, a High Republic game and maybe go in a different direction. Um, you know, we may have to wait several more years uh, for a High Republic game to come out. But, you know, at the end of the day, I feel like the community's voice is important for a reason. Uh, you know, so, you know, again, Star Wars fans out there on, on social media have, have an excellent point. Uh, they are taking to social media. They are calling their people that they know uh, at Disney. They're writing letters. They're writing emails. They're, they're being proactive. Uh, so, you know, I mean, there's a good reason why they're doing that. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how this develops going forward. Yeah, very much so. And I'm with you, John. I think if it does get pulled from Quantic Dream, it does end up being canceled as well, would be my guess. Uh, with that being said, again, very early development, as John mentioned as well. So if this game isn't even coming out until 2025-ish, at the minimum, there's still plenty of time for this project to be canceled. Uh, now, someone's going to lose money, obviously. Money goes everywhere, depending on how these projects work. But at the same time, if you're going to cancel the game, it's much better to do that in that pre-production time than later, later down the road. Uh, it's going to cost you a lot less and will keep your audience a lot happier uh, in this particular case. So we'll keep an eye on that. We'll see if Lucasfilm Games decides to delay this one, to cut this one, to move it to a different studio, to delete it entirely. Uh, it's going to be a TBD for now, but something we will keep a close eye on. Uh, again, we are excited for the High Republic and Star Wars to get representation in video games. Just not quite sure if this is the way we want it to be done. Over to some award winners of the Game Awards. Let's talk Game of the Year, John. The critics gave it to It Takes Two. We had a number of really great nominees there. Ratchet and Clank. We had Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, Psychonauts 2, uh, Deathloop was up there, Metroid Dread, It Takes Two, 
and I think the last was Resident Evil Village, if I remember correctly. So six great nominees, everyone deserving. I would argue some more deserving than others. Uh, one of those ones that I would argue is very deserving is It Takes Two. Very fun co-op experience. I had the chance of finishing it with a fellow OTN member, T-Spans. I'm also playing through with a couple other people as well. Very, very fun game. Uh, cool story. Nothing super, super unique. Um, but as far as the mechanics within the game, there are a lot of unique mechanics there that really set it apart from other co-op experiences out on the market. So very excited for the team of Hazelite and Jose, or I think it's Jose Ferris or Joseph Ferris, uh, the developer of that one and the lead writer. So very cool that that one ends up taking the win, a co-op experience, taking the top chart here for Game of the Year from Critics. Uh, John, I don't believe you've had a chance to play that one yet, but I'm sure you've seen footage. Yeah, I've seen footage. Um, I haven't played it uh, myself as of yet because you picked everyone else to play it with and not me. Uh, that's I told you to download. There. You're on my list of people to play with. So I am oh, ready to go. List. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. We'll see. Oh, we'll my see. gosh. Maybe we'll play it on stream, ladies and gentlemen. That could oh, be God. fun. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that is your game of the year of critics. Anything else to say on It Takes Two, John? I know that wasn't our top vote. Uh, it was up there in our top three range, but we are both tending to lean a little bit more towards Psychonauts or Ratchet and Clank overall. Uh, and this is something else we can touch on. Both Psychonauts 2 and Ratchet and Clank, neither one winning a single award, though being one of, two of the most highly nominated titles throughout the Game Awards this year. Um, it takes two, though, I think overall deserving. I'm happy for the team over there. It's always nice. Uh, I would consider them an indie team. They are published by EA, so they do get some funding from Electronic Arts. Um, but overall, I, I would still consider them more of an indie game than a mainline AAA game. So I'm always excited when an indie game does take some of these bigger awards and gets the credit that they should deserve. Yeah, I mean, not only did Psychonauts 2 and Ratchet and Clank not get uh, a, a single win during the Game Awards, but uh, again, I, I feel like we have to bring it up. Forza Horizon 5 absolutely snubbed for Game of the Year as well. Uh, graphically amazing. Gameplay is great. Um, only downside was multiplayer online has a little bit of issues here and there, but what online you know service has you know perfect connection all the time, um, yeah. So again, you know overall the show was good, but but there are a, a growing list of things that need to change going forward. Um, I would love to have the jury, as they call them, uh, you know the, the 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 companies, organizations, and journalists that that vote. I would love to have their ballots be released uh, because I am actually very curious to see what outlets voted in, in certain ways, uh, what critics voted in certain ways, uh, because uh, some of these decisions were definitely head scratchers. Um, and I, I would love to have a little bit more transparency behind that, especially if you're going to make it a three and a half hour long show. Give me some transparency. Yeah. And with that being said, you did talk about the elephant or the car in the room. In this case, Forza Horizon 5. Not in the final list of six nominees here for Game of the Year, uh, but John, it did get nominated for two other categories, Best Audio Design and Innovation and Accessibility. Not only was it nominated, but it did take home both of those categories. Uh, so I think that's even more of an argument toward it getting a nomination here for Game of the Year with Forza Horizon 5 coming out, winning both the categories it was nominated for, getting a lot of fan votes as well in the Fan Vote Award for Game of the Year, uh, finishing in the top five over there. It does seem like one of those games that, if anything was snubbed this year, Forza Horizon 5 getting a Game of the Year nomination. Whether it would have won or not, I think is a separate story. I personally don't think it would have. But should it have been nominated? Probably. 
The other one to mention here is the game of the year for the fans. The fans voted. It went through three rounds of voting. I think it started at 30 titles, if I remember correctly. In the end, the player's voice winner for game of the year was Halo Infinite. Now, a little bit of an asterisk here. Uh, It was players voted. But technically, by the time this vote came through, the Halo Infinite campaign had not actually been released. Uh, It technically did, I guess, when the winner was announced. But either way, 99% of people who voted for Halo Infinite had not played the campaign up until that point. So, it won mainly based on the multiplayer beta. I I think that's huge news. I think it's a surprise. I did not vote for Halo Infinite here. Uh, I think it, at least with the trend of the Game Awards, they usually cut off their voting around November, I think it's 16th or 19th. So in the end, Halo Infinite not having a full release at that point to me makes it not as eligible for this award. Uh, But in the end, apparently a lot of people did not agree with me and they ended up voting for it in the end. Uh, Other nominee runner-ups there, Forza was in there, Resident Evil was in there, It Takes Two was in there, uh, Ratchet & Clank and Psychonauts also in that top six range. Yeah, it'd be kind of curious to see what this vote would turn out if Halo uh, was not allowed to be uh, voted on in here. Um, but, you know, we talked about a little bit during our, our co-stream of, of the event. Um, it, it's that nostalgia uh, for the older gamers. It's the older gamers that have always talked about Halo uh, to the younger gaming generation that, that's created that hype. Um, it's very successful uh, test flights uh, that uh, engaged in community feedback and resulted in changes. Um, it just has been exactly what you want from a studio uh, listening to its gamers, listening to its fan base uh, that is dedicating time of their lives to play their game. And, and Joey, you know, you know, you and I both have experience with the Halo franchise, uh, you know, going pretty far back. Uh, you know, this, and we'll, I'll say it again, this Halo, Halo Infinite multiplayer and the campaign quite possibly is the best feeling Halo ever created uh yes it's 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 the first one that was created for pc as well uh that wasn't shipped to pc later on uh it feels incredibly good on pc it feels great on an xbox uh everything about this game so far just oozes with excellence and i feel like that was a big cause of a lot of the gamers voting halo infinite as the player's voice winner for game of the year uh, but yeah, I'd be actually very curious to see who, what, what game gamers would vote for if Halo was not eligible. Yeah, absolutely. I think it takes two, if I remember correctly, did take second in the award or in the voting overall for this particular award. But yeah, again, Halo Infinite was something like, I think it was like thirty or forty something percent of votes, so it was a very, very big margin. Removing those voters around would definitely shake things up. Uh, With that being said, yeah, it does take it home. It was the Halo Infinite multiplayer beta that did end up winning this award. Uh, As John said, I think gamers were just hungry for some kind of multiplayer experience as well. Call of Duty being a little bit lackluster this year in a lot of people's opinions. Same with Battlefield 2042. Uh, A number of games out there like Apex have still been doing a great job. Destiny as well. Uh, But in the end, something fresh, something new, and that ended up being Halo Infinite. Also hitting that nostalgia as well. So hitting both categories, it did end up taking home that fan vote. So Game of the Year from critics, it takes two. Game of the Year from fans at the Game Awards was Halo Infinite. And again, Forza Horizon 5 possibly getting snubbed for the Game of the Year nominees as it did win both the other categories it was nominated for. So we'll touch on more of the Game Awards as we keep going down the line later this year. Uh, As some of those other announcements that were made, we might see some more footage of early into 2022. So we'll keep an eye on those projects as well as bring some up from time to time on here as well. 
Next up on the slate is Dr. Disrespect. John, we have a prescription for new game studios, and this one's coming in hot. It's a new AAA game studio, Midnight Society, from Dr. Disrespect. He is working on a AAA PvP multiplayer experience. Uh, knowing Dr. Disrespect, there's a good chance that this could have a Battle Royale element, if not fully Battle Royale-focused. But I'm hoping we get some nice competitive PvP multiplayer going on there outside of the Battle Royale genre as well. The star-studded cast of this studio. Uh, guys, this is a society you want to be a part of. Uh, Dr. Disrespect, whether you like him or not, he is one of the co-founders. You have Robert Bowling coming in as a co-founder and studio head. Uh, he's one of the former heads at Infinity Ward, who worked on Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare, as well as a few other titles like Modern Warfare 3 later down the line. You have Quinn Del Hoyo. He is also a co-founder and the creative director over there. Uh, he was previously and most recently at Halo Infinite leading the sandbox team. So if you really like all the cool weapons you have available in Halo Infinite, that fan-voted game of the year, uh, there are a number of cool, unique opportunities for Quentin to bring to this new game as well. We have Summit Gupta, also CEO and co-founder. Ryan Thompson, gameplay engineer. Eric Hallquist, the concept artist. And HB Duran over in marketing and PR. Those are your heads of heads over at Midnight Society. Uh, John, not much is out about this game yet. We do know AAA PvP multiplayer. We know Dr. Disrespect is involved, as well as two big heads uh, when it comes to the Call of Duty and Halo franchises, as well as a number of other talented people involved in this game. I don't know how much experience Dr. Disrespect has with game design, but overall, the talented team here is looking very strong to get things started. Yeah, the, the team that was put together is actually absurd. Like, I joke all the time that Microsoft is just acquiring uh, all these great people for the initiative and, like, just sucking up all the talent left and right. And then Dr. Disrespect comes in here out of nowhere uh, and just puts together a, a freaking all-star cast of... Of, of of execs for this brand new gaming studio um yeah i mean there's a reason that dr disrespect has 2.2 million twitter followers uh th there's a reason why uh you know his gaming channel on youtube is uh incredibly popular with the views back when he was on twitch uh he was one of the top streamers as well um so you know it's just one of those things where it's like he has that following and he's automatically going to bring that following with him to this new gaming studio. And it automatically gives this gaming studio uh, legitimacy, not just because Dr. Respect's name is on it, but also because of everyone else he's brought into it. Uh, out of the gates, um, I think, you know, it almost feels like it has to be a AAA title. It has to be something that blows uh, gamers out of the water. If you're going to have a roster like this put together uh, for execs for, for this game development, uh, a plan going forward for Midnight Society, you have to have something big, um, you know. And I, I hope it's not a battle royale. I, I really do. You know, this this is the same Doctor Disrespect that when Halo was in its testing phase was like, oh, Halo would be great only if it has battle royale. You know, you know it, it, it's it's going to be great. Uh, it, it won't survive unless it has battle royale. And I'm sorry, battle royale is so overdone. Yeah, you know, and, and it's no disrespect to the doctor here, um, but you know, at the same time, it's like, you know, how many more battle royales do you want? Uh, you know, I can't think of another version of a game that has become so oversaturated in the past four years than battle royale. Everything has battle royale. Joey, Civilization Six has battle royale. Uh, Forza Horizon Five has a battle royale. 
Uh, games that you would never think have a battle royale have a battle royale mode to it. Uh, I, I, I get it. You can only do it so much before it's just literally regurgitating what everything else is already out there. And when you're still going up against the juggernaut that is Fortnite, with Fortnite adapting to everything else that's going on in the battle royale genre and them literally not giving two craps about what anybody else thinks, um, and they're still number one in battle royales, like it's going to take something absolutely massive uh, to to dethrone Fortnite and really make waves in battle royale. I just don't think a battle royale is the right move, especially for a brand new studio. Well, and we I don't know it. if it's about a rally either. This is yeah. just assuming based on Dr. Disrespect's comments, based on other thoughts he's had on battle rails in general. I'm hoping this is like a major PvP thing, like a Call of Duty, like a Halo, but maybe it does have a battle rail component for those that want it. I'm okay with that. I just don't want a battle royale as the main focus. I feel like there, as you said, there's so many of those. Like, it's like pick one. If you're not going to come up with something unique, choose either battle royale or a zombie game over the last decade. Those seem to be the two let's go to type of genres. Uh, and there's just so many of them. Like, zombie games are everywhere. We had Aliens Fire Team. We had Back for Blood just in recent months. Uh, there's a couple more, like Anacrusis, I believe, coming out in January. So there's a number of, like, space zombie slash games. Rainbow Six Quarantine, I think it's January as well. Like, everyone's kind of jumping onto that parasite zombie type of train. But then on top of that is the Battle Royales. You got Fortnite. You have Apex. Uh, I think one got added into CSGO. Gears of War had talk of one at one point. Uh, it feels like everyone has done it. And then you get into the unique ones. Like you mentioned, John, Civ is jumping into Battle Royales. Forza jumped into Battle Royales. Like everyone is kind of giving it a try in their own unique blend. And sure, some of them do stand out. I feel like the Forza one in particular is very different than some of the other ones. You don't have a gun, for one. That's a huge difference. And some of these other ones also bring unique elements that I really like here and there. But overall, it's just, it is a saturated genre. And there's so many games that they maybe change one or two things here and there. But overall, the general concept is still the same. If they're going to come in with a battle royale, and if that's going to be the central focus, it needs to be something different, something unique, something bigger and better than what we've seen before. Uh, and, I mean, we know it's going to have, what, violent speed momentum or whatever his phrase is, um, but I also need some unique concepts as well, Doc. So we'll see what you bring to the table. I did like your Rogue Company map. I thought that ended up pretty cool. I am curious to see what other competitive maps he could design uh, alongside this team. Again, Quinn Del Hoyo, the Halo Infinite Sandbox guy, I think he did a great job with Halo Sandbox. I think Robert Bowling over there with former Call of Duty heads, I think he did a really good job back in COD 4 Modern Warfare. Uh, that was one of my favorite shooters back in the last decade or so. I guess that's a couple decades ago at this point. Um, but really good stuff back then as well. So the talented team, at least the core of the talent team is here. Now it's just waiting to see how they build on it. Uh, and shout out to Squirkle in chat. Uh, he's curious how much they paid for that 12 a.m. Twitter handle. For real. Uh, I'd have to say for real, yeah. I mean, like, someone had to have had that. Uh, just a, at 12 a.m., that is huge. Uh, I'm curious what they also paid for some of these domain names and everything as well. Uh, but Dr. Disrespect has the money, so he's probably splashing the cash for a couple of these things here and there. That's for sure. Let's keep the train moving and assassinate some next DLC with new Assassin's Creed Valhalla DLC, Yikes. Dawn of Ragnarok. It's now officially announced. We've had teasers of this one for the last couple months. Now official. Uh, John, this is going to be a big expansion. And we're not talking just like big because of Ragnarok and world ending and all that good stuff. Uh, we're talking big in the sense that this is going to be 35 to 40 hours of gameplay. 
No, this is not a new Assassin's Creed game. This is purely DLC for Ragnarok, and I think that's the biggest thing worth noting here. Uh, I think Assassin's Creed is a fun franchise. I haven't dove in probably in the last decade. It's been quite a while since I've dove in, but I know it does have a very big following. On top of that, it does add some new unique elements here and there. It's not just straight up copy pasta, and it does add some new genres. This latest one being Vikings and kind of Norse god mythology. Uh, I think this is cool. I like the idea of an expansion. The idea of a 40-hour expansion kind of leans me toward that 3.5, 4-hour game show feeling, though, as well. Yeah, but you don't have to digest that expansion all in, you know, one sitting. Um, you know, it, look, I'll be completely honest. I'm completely fine with 30-plus hours of content, and, and I'm going to tell you the reason why. And I, I've said it before here on Level Up. I, I, I say it in Discord and all the time. Uh, when you take a look at video games over the past 15 years, uh, your Call of Duties, your Battlefields, your, uh, you know, your, your classic uh, games that have been around for 20-plus years, obviously the, the selling point for a lot of these games is that multiplayer online play. And I get it. It makes complete sense. The art of a solo campaign, the art of telling a story, the art of... Uh, creating uh, a, a universe for that single player to get lost in the story, uh, to to get that connection to the game, has really played second fiddle to multiplayer and turning a massive ongoing profit via loot boxes, battle passes, and so on and so forth. Again, not knocking companies for doing it, but that's just something that we have started to see time and time again is just... The, the move away from that focus or any focus on single-player campaign mode. Um, so I'm excited because this is an expansion that focuses on that solo play experience. It gives you that content that I feel like a lot of times just gets overlooked because multiplayer battle passes... Uh, you know, spending $20 for a skin in, in a shop has been the main focus for these developers for so long now. And, it, and it's a very successful business model that has worked. Uh, but at the same time, you know, that's one of the reasons why I love games like Life is Strange. Uh, you know, those games that have that solo player campaign that might have like an online uh, multiplayer element to it, but it, that's not the main primary focus. Uh, so while, yeah, for some people, 30 plus hours of, of, of DLC uh, is is a lot for me. I'm actually quite happy with it. Again, like you, Joey, I haven't you know jumped into Assassin's Creed in a while, uh, but I'm happy to see that an expansion's coming out that is going to give a lot of content uh, for those players because I feel like for so long, at least for the past 15 years, that content has always played second fiddle to multiplayer online play. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's a trend we might see more and more. Like Assassin's Creed is moving in this direction. And then I think it's called Assassin's Creed Infinity is eventually going to kind of be where there's like a main base platform and stories are branched off of it. And then you have the same thing with Halo Infinite. Like Halo Infinite being a live service game is not only for multiplayer, but it's also supposed to be the baseline of the story for years to come for the next decade as well. So I'm assuming this is something that maybe not just Ubisoft and Microsoft are going to jump on, but maybe we eventually see more. Uh, I don't know if we'll quite see Sony this direction, but I could see some other developers like Take-Two jump on this train. And it's something that really MMOs have capitalized on for years at this point. Like over decades, World of Warcraft, I mean, Star Wars The Old Republic, 
a lot of these games have added these big expansions, a lot of them adding richness to the lore and a lot of things adding new cosmetics and adding all these different storylines that you can kind of walk through as the main character. This is something a little new to a lot of these franchises, Assassin's Creed being one of them. It's usually full title releases. This is the second or really the first time we're seeing a big, big DLC like this in one of the, they've dropped DLC before Ragnarok itself, or rather Valhalla has already had some DLC, but nothing this big as of yet. Halo Infinite, same thing. Instead of getting a mainline Halo game in five years, maybe we get some DLC in two to three years. Maybe some more DLC in two to three years. And we see that whole infinite storyline become something that lasts a full decade, like they're kind of advertising it, as opposed to just a one-and-done game like we've currently had in the past, I mean, really 20, 30 years for a lot of these different games out there. So it's something more and more that these kind of baseline titles are now starting to explore. Whether it becomes a thing that sticks, we, time will tell. Uh, but if MMOs have shown us anything, it is definitely a model that could be viable as well. We good? Yeah, we're good. Okay, I wasn't sure if I froze or something. No, I, uh, I just messaged you on Discord, something that just popped up on my phone that we've hit on before. Um, don't know if you want to oh, chat Lord. about it real yeah, quick. Yeah, we can or... mention that uh, in the esports section. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll wait then. <laughs> A couple more games to mention. Well, really just one. Well, a few more games. And then we're going to slide into some esports and wrap up today's show. Uh, a Splinter Cell remake, John. It has been greenlit. Three green lights, in fact, just like Sam Fisher wears. On top of that, Ubisoft has finally given us details on this. Uh, it's been something fans have been asking for for a long time. Give us some Splinter Cell. So Ubisoft goes out and they drop a Splinter Cell mobile game. And then fans are like, give me some Splinter Cell. And Ubisoft says, hey, we'll give you some Tom Clancy underwear. And it's just been back and forth and back and forth for what feels like three or four years at this point. Ubisoft has finally listened. They have greenlit that Tom Clancy game. It's not a new one. Uh, it is going to be a remake, so there will be new elements to the game, but it will be based on an older storyline. Uh, it's going to be led by Ubisoft Toronto, and the game will be rebuilt from the ground up using Ubisoft's Snowdrop engine. For those who don't follow too much on engines, Snowdrop is mainly known for The Division right now. Uh, the Division and Division 2 were both built on Snowdrop. On top of that, some newer games to look forward to, Avatar, Frontiers of Pandora, uh, which I believe was shown at E3, if I remember correctly. That one's also on Snowdrop, as well as the upcoming Star Wars game that was announced back in April. Uh, it's going to be some kind of like open-world action-adventure Star Wars game uh, that will be built in Snowdrop as well. We haven't seen anything on that one as of yet, though. Um, but at least from the sound of things, Snowdrop is doing decently well. People have had their issues with the division, uh, but graphically, Snowdrop looks very, very nice. So I am excited at least graphically for the Splinter Cell game. But I'm mainly just excited to see Splinter Cell as a franchise back, John. People have been waiting for years. It's been stealthily working its way around. Or maybe Ubisoft was just denying people directly. Regardless, they finally move forward. We have the green lights, and they are on Sam Fisher as he drops down into a new game. Yeah, it's great. You know, fans are going to be happy to play a new game in their Sam Fisher underwear. I, I think it's just going to be a great overall deal. <laughs> yeah, I, that was the biggest one to me. The fact that they're now trademarking Sam Fisher underwear, like, over a new game. Like, hello, fam. Like, where have you been? Uh, but at least we are finally getting it in the end. Okay, let's talk upcoming in gaming. Wave 2 of December 2021 Game Pass editions have been announced. Uh, John, we have quite a few games on this list. Among Us now making its way to consoles, both PlayStation and Xbox. Uh, with Xbox, it will be included in Game Pass. We have Broken Age. We have Ben 10 Power Trip for our e-gamers out there, as well as Paw Patrol. Uh, Race with Ryan also there. Uh, if you can't tell, there's a theme here. Xbox getting ready for the holidays, uh, adding those E for Everyone titles via Game Pass here as well. 
Transformers Battlegrounds, Mortal Kombat 11 for the fighting game community. The Gunk, guys, please go check out The Gunk. This is on my list of big indie titles in 2021 to watch out for. Uh, it's finally releasing tomorrow. That's Thursday, December 16th for those listening on the podcast later. Uh, you have Firewatch also on here as well as Lake. Both of those a little bit more on the more relaxing side. A lot of really high reviews for Firewatch in particular. Uh, and then I can't even read that one. Is that Wonder Wonder Labyrinth maybe? Yes. Cool. So, yeah, a lot of new games coming, a lot of E for Everyone titles. Uh, but if you do choose one game to check out on this list, I highly recommend The Gunk. I think that one over there, um, it's like Thunderful Games is the developer or publisher behind it. Uh, it's the people who did SteamWorld type of stuff, so really cool stuff. Uh, as far as the developers, a long string of history of very popular games. So definitely one worth keeping an eye on. And if you have Game Pass, go ahead and pre-download that sucker anytime. It's on PC and console, as well as cloud for the mobile gamers as well. Yeah, and, you know, obviously there's a lot of E for Everyone titles on here, but and there's the one that's definitely not E for Everyone uh, being Mortal Kombat 11. Um, uh, that's on there mainly because, uh, you know, holidays bring out the best in families. Uh, Mortal Kombat 11 is a way uh, to fight without actually killing family members. Um, <laughs> so, yes, you can rip their avatar's heart out. You can literally split people in half. You can chop their heads off. Uh, Mortal Kombat is a very gory and graphic game. Uh, so once you're done playing Paw Patrol, feel free to launch Mortal Kombat 11 to rip each other's hearts out. Yeah, Mortal Kombat 11, <laughs> I, I think it's rated M technically, but it's more toward that R scale in movies, maybe even <laughs> NC-17 or whatever that one higher than that is. Uh, there are some gruesome finishes in that game. Sorry if I did not clarify that well enough, or maybe T-Spans <laughs> is just trolling me over here in chat. He's trolling. Um, but yeah, Mortal Kombat 11, definitely not rated E for everyone. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, if you are a parent, I highly recommend uh, maybe taking a look at that one before passing it over to your seven-year-old. Um, but for now, a lot of games for a lot of different people available in this next one. OG Flavortown also shouting out Lake. I know that's one he played. I think he actually won that uh, on a drawing at one point. So really cool game there. Firewatch is probably one of the highest rated games on this list. Uh, one of the more artsy rated games as well. And then again, guys, I'm going to say it again. I've been saying it for weeks. I've been saying it for months. The Gunk, please go check it out. It is on my highly anticipated indie list, and I think it's going to be a good one. Uh, a lot of people saying it could be one of the highest rated games of the year as well. With that, let's slide on over into esports. We have a couple leagues to touch on, but first, uh, let's touch on Valorant first, actually, John. Uh, Valorant Champions happened this past weekend. It was quite the event. If you guys haven't had a chance to check out that production, when it comes to esports production, no one does it better than Riot Games. It feels like they absolutely blow it out of the chart every single time. Uh, they've won ESPYs for League of Legends before. It seems like they win esport event every year for every award ceremony. League of Legends Worlds taking most of them again this year. Uh, Valorant Champions happening after a lot of that voting though as this definitely would have been one up there contesting with league uh, in the end ascend did take the win over gambit esports with a 3-2 victory ascend taking home three hundred and fifty thousand dollars as well as an mvp award for zeke of ascend uh in the end i mean john this was a really cool event i love the color scheme i love the intros i think this is something valorant does really well with league of legends it's very like stoic everyone comes out and bows which is great and respectful and awesome but Valorant has taken it to the next level. You see people like building pyramids as they come out. They're doing dances. Uh, they're holding up signs like, when does TSM play? Uh, there's just <laughs> a lot of personality that comes into the after victory screen as well as to that prep of moving out onto the stage. And that along with the high quality production that Riot Games brings, I think this was an excellent event. Yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, the players 
uh, allowed to bring their personality out before and after the games uh, just really adds that extra element uh, that, you know, a, a lot of lands and just in reality, esports has been missing since, uh, you know, the 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 lockdown, the the pandemic quarantine in place kind of thing. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's just really cool to see, uh, even if it wasn't just one tournament here, uh, kind of see that that energy, that that that, uh, you know, uh, vibe come back to esports as lands are, are slowly making their way back uh, to to being held. So I, I loved it. I thought it was great. The broadcast was fantastic. The talent was amazing. Uh, just overall, you know, right knocked it out of the park like they always do. It just feels like if Riot's doing it, you have no reason to worry about what's going to happen. Yeah, I think the other thing to realize here is like this was their first big world championship. League of Legends started in Freak's basement. It feels like that's a joke, guys. I'm not <laughs> serious. <real. laughs> Hashtag or whatever slash s here, people. Um, but yeah, in the end, I mean, I think it's really good being a first event. I think is huge. But being a first event of that caliber, I mean, you're starting your winner prize pool is three hundred fifty thousand dollars. I don't know what the total prize pool was. I feel like it was around five hundred thousand, if I remember correctly. Um, but in the end, everyone taking home quite a bit of money up toward the top of the table. Zeke coming out as that first MVP. I mean, that's something for the history books. Uh, the production, the set design was phenomenal. The casting was very strong as well. Uh, it was definitely not an NA production. It was very well overall, but it wasn't EU either. There weren't too, too many pauses. Uh, we did get a lot of map fives, and I think that is always really exciting for shooter games in general. So a lot of that excitement coming in as well. So in the end, your top ascend, winning it all right under them is going to be Gambit Esports. And then under them for that third slash fourth place finish was Team Liquid and Crew. Uh, Crew being one of those teams that had huge upsets throughout the tournament. Uh, I can't remember everyone they took down, but Sentinels, who were the favorites of the tournament overall, Crew took them down. Then Crew steamrolled over my Fnatic boys. Uh, Boaster wasn't enough to boast them to victory as they were taken down by Crew as well. So Crew, uh, if you're looking at a dark horse of the tournament, they were definitely one to watch and probably one to continue watching in future events as well. Okay, John, let's talk that new little announcement you got on your phone, and then we'll slide into an HCS preview and call it a day. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, let's go ahead and just sort of transition over here real quick. Joe, we talked about this last year uh, when it was announced, and there's a lot of hesitation uh, to see if this was actually going to be something that panned out in the future. Um, and uh, <laughs> it's back. Of course, Joey, I am talking about premium fanship, um, mainly the Stratus membership from Cloud9. Uh, <laughs> they're bringing it back for 2022. In fact, membership is open as of right now until December 31st. Yes, they are putting a time limit on your premium fanship. So if you want to join Cloud9's 2022 premium stratus fandom it's only gonna cost you a cool 500 bucks uh and what do you get you get this really cool box right and in this really cool box uh you're going to get uh well first off it's going to be incredible uh quick overview of some of the programs and features you can look forward to after claiming your spot a welcome crate with personalized membership card and a piece of Stratus exclusive apparel. Joey, if you remember the last time they did this, that apparel was anything but impressive. It was literally the Cloud9 jersey just in gray. Um, really was not that exciting. Uh, two mystery crates full of exclusive items you can't get anywhere else. 
Go on, I'm listening. Access to quarterly exclusive merch drops in the Strata shop. So, yes, exclusive merch that you can only get for that $500 gatekeeping fee for you to spend more <laughs> money on limited time merch that is dropping. Uh, you will have access to the upcoming Stratus mobile app. Yes, that is right. If Tinder, Bumble, Hinged, and whatever else you use are not working for you, the new Stratus premium exclusive fans only site uh, will match you up with another C9 Stratus super fan uh, that you might be able to play video games with in the future if you play the same game. Um, on top of that, you'll get access to the Stratus HQ, Stratus digital events, including tournaments, roundtables, podcasts, and much, much more. Joey, I did a little quick research here. So we're going to go to their, their Twitter site, right? So one of the things was is that you were going to get followed oh. by Stratus and Cloud9. Well, as you can see, you're going to tell me you only have 14 people that bought into your $500 premium membership. Eh, they probably got rid of that, right? So check this bad boy out. These are some oh, of the perks now. Oh, no. What? <laughs> is that say 14 following? It does say 14 following. Uh, which is interesting. So any whoosies, we're going to scroll down here, right? So th this is some of the other benefits that came out in last year's membership. So you have a Cloud9 Stratus Christmas tree ornament. There you go. Well worth your $500 investment. Um, they did an event where uh, you could win a Cloud9 Secret Lab player-used chair, uh, which I think is kind of cool. Uh, then there's some other merch in here that you could get as well. Again, there is an example of some of that exclusive Stratus merch. Uh, again, um, my personal opinion, very underwhelming. Uh, you got a warm wishes card signed by uh, some C9 players as well. You can see here some more of the content that came out. Uh, so, you know, look, obviously this is not for everyone. Also, one of the biggest complaints I had uh, that we both had was $500 is a very steep buy-in uh, for any kind of fandom. Um, the good news is, uh, taking a look, uh, you actually can't see it here with the way our screen is cut, uh, but shop pay is an option now, uh, which breaks your payment into four monthly installment payments. That's four months, $125, makes the $500 price tag a little bit more easier to swallow. But yeah, Joey, again, a premium fan, like fan group, if you will, for Cloud9. I still think it's absolutely ridiculous. I really don't see the benefit of shutting everybody else out. Yes, you know, you're buying in to an organization. The organization is getting a crap ton of money for it. And at the end of the day, what do you get? You get a, a game used or a player used chair, possibly, um, you know, from someone in cloud nine that they got for free from their partnership with secret lab that you paid $500 for that buy-in for. Uh, so yeah, I just, again, it's, I'm a cloud nine fan and I don't like this. <laughs> yeah. I feel like they're missing the mark here. Like, I don't know, maybe it did decently well in year one and that's why it's coming back. Or maybe it didn't because they feel like they added like a ton of stuff compared to what year one brought. So we'll have to keep an eye on it. Uh, in the end, I feel like I would... I, I like the idea of exclusivity. I like the idea of giving some reason for players to buy in, or fans, rather, to buy in. It just doesn't feel like this is enough. And I think adding an app is cool and all, and adding some extra discounts or shop availability, or, as you said, kind of like the entryway into a new shop. 
it's cool and all, but I'm paying to get that. And then I have to spend more money once I'm in the shop. Like it's just, it feels like it kind of is counteractive. Uh, I think I would split it up. I think your highest tier is maybe $250 and that gets you all the stuff listed here instead of 500. So I'd cut the price in half. Uh, I think I'd also introduce Stratus Lite with an L-I-T-E uh, and make that like a cheaper tier, like $9.99 or $75 or whatever. And then they get some of the perks, but not everything. Like maybe they get access to the shop because you want people in the shop anyway. They're going to spend more money. But maybe they don't get a Christmas ornament or maybe they don't get the signed player card or whatever it ends up being. Or maybe the big full stress only get one t-shirt and the other guys get less or whatever it ends up being. I don't know. In the end, I think their price point's too high. I'm not coming close to spending $500 for I can get season tickets to some sporting events for closer to that price. Like, why am I going to do that for a t-shirt? No, thank you. Uh, but in the end, I think cut the price in half. Then maybe I consider it at that point and maybe add a light tier. You pull in more fans. If fans enjoy it, then say, hey, maybe we'll ask for this for Christmas or whatever holiday. And they end up jumping up to the next year. Who knows? Uh, I just feel like right now it's a little too structured, but it's not offering enough for the price point. But Joey, wa- watch, watch the screen real quick. Oh, no. Where else are you going to get the authentic stage-worn shoes from Sven that he wore at 2020 Worlds for League of Legends if you are not a premium Stratus member for Cloud9? Okay, that's another thing. Let's talk about that. Like, (laughs) do I really want a used pair of shoes? No. Okay, if I'm, like, a super fan of Sven, if I, like, worship Sven as a player, then maybe I put them in a box on a wall but well, like, what am I going to do with a pair of shoes? I have too many shoes as is. I barely even wear more than one pair of tennis shoes. Like, why? It's just mm, unnecessary to me. But I know there are people out there that like that. Uh, I like the idea of, like, signed peripherals more. Like, give me a signed <laughs> mouse. Give me a signed keyboard. I'm kind of cool with that. Do I want his smelly socks and shoes? Not as much, personally. T-Span said you can lick it, though. Yeah, T-Span, what is wrong with you <laughs> over there? You're not rated E for everyone tonight either with comments like that. Um, and Squirkle, I love the comment, trying to recuperate that money from the perks buyout. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, that is really where Stratus is coming from. They had to first originally fund the perks deal, and now they're doing a year two of it to kind of make that money back. So uh, we'll keep an eye for returns for year three. <laughs> Squirkle goes, you can smell the scent of an esports athlete. Yeah, like, it's so odd to me. Like, why? Why do I want so much shoes? It is so nasty. At least they won't have athletes' foot, probably. I mean, hopefully. Who knows? I'm not going to judge anyone's cleanliness. Um, But, yeah, in the end, if you guys want some exclusive shoes or a chance at exclusive shoes or maybe access to a shop to buy those exclusive shoes, uh, go ahead and check out that C9 Stratus program. Gross. Okay, last esports bit on the news today. We're going to talk a little bit about HCS, John, and then wrap up today's show. We are actually headed down to Raleigh this weekend. Uh, We're going to be covering the HCS kickoff major in Raleigh. Uh, We're pretty excited. Overall, we'll be there for all three days of the weekend. We have some good coverage ideas planned, uh, as well as hopefully pulling some nice interviews for you guys as well when we're down there. Uh, The event's taking place December 17th through the 19th, $250,000 on the line plus crowdfunding, and that total has not been told and announced as of yet. So we'll keep an eye on that. It could be a much bigger prize pool. It could be a tiny little bit bigger. I don't really know what that number is going to shake out to, so we'll keep an eye on that one for you guys. Uh, there's 272 teams participating. I think that breaks out to like something around 1,500 or so players as well. So a number of players participating in the main 4v4. On top of that, there's a free-for-all competition as well where you're going to have even more players participating. Uh, So you could have, I mean, honestly, 2,000 to 2,500 players participating in one way or another is not out of the mark here. Uh, Even more than that, potentially. I don't even know what the total spectators is. 
Mouse and keyboard as well as controller is allowed. That is a big thing. This is something that does not happen in many esports titles. If you look at CSGO, it's all mouse and keyboard. You look at Valorant, all mouse and keyboard. Look at Call of Duty, they only allow controller. So in the end, this is kind of a scene. I'm not going to say it's the first one because there are scenes that have done this before, but it is one of the more high profile ones to choose this route. Now, Weller, it was a good choice. Uh, it's a little TBD for now. Uh, a lot of people will argue that controller does have the advantage as there is a little of that stickier aim coming in there with the aim assist. Uh, other players who run controller might argue that players on PC are a lot better with sniper rifles. I'd probably argue that both have their advantages and disadvantages, but in the end, controller is a little bit stronger coming down to it. So we'll see how that ends up shaking out and who comes out on top in Raleigh this weekend. On top of that, if you guys are not heading down to Raleigh, there will be Twitch drops enabled. And as John said earlier, we will be covering everything. So keep an eye on our Twitter pages uh, as well as other social media platforms for that as well. We'll shoot those out here shortly. It is kicking off Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern time, and it is completely sold out, full on teams, full on spectators. Uh, John, what are your thoughts on the event? Halo has returned in one way or another, and this is probably its biggest esports kickoff, I mean, really ever, but really the biggest the scene has been since Halo 3. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to that 4 a.m. wake-up call uh, for when we have to start our trip down from uh, the Northern Virginia region uh, down to the beautiful swampland of Raleigh, North Carolina. It's not a swamp. I'm just giving them a hard time. Um, but yeah. Uh, a little over four four hour ten minute drive down there should be a lot of fun. Uh, super excited! Lands are back. Uh, obviously, there's COVID protocols. Uh, you know, everyone has to provide uh, you know proof of vaccination, or they have to um, take a uh, a test within seventy two hours. Uh, and they have to bring the results with them. You know, so there there is some control there. Uh, which is really, really cool. Uh, you know, it's just great that lands are back. It's great that Halo Esports is back. Uh, I think that's absolutely massive. You know, uh, you know, we planned on a trip uh, to, what was it, New York, Joey, for the LCS for... Uh, yeah, New uh, Jersey, the, yep. Yeah, New Jersey uh, for the LCS tournament uh, that ended up getting canceled because, shocker, COVID. Uh, but now, uh, as of Wednesday night before the entire thing kicks off, uh, it is still a go. Uh, super excited to bring uh, you know the OTN community, the Level Up uh, Nation, uh, great content there. Who knows? Might be able to do some live streaming here, here and there as well. I'll make sure to bring my battery pack for my cell phone and everything, and see what we can do down there, Joey. But super excited. Lands are back. Halo Esports is back. It's going to be an absolute blast. I'm going to get to see Cloud Nine play in person again. I'm super excited for that. Um, I just think it's going to be overall a great time. I, I think the community is going to respond well, and I think there's going to be a lot of energy down there in Raleigh this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be an interesting mix because you're going to have a lot of this Halo veterans kind of that were from that Halo 2, Halo 3 generation now jumping in, and then you have that kind of new age, like Halo Reach, Halo 5 generation, and now all of these new players just jumping into the Halo franchise for the first time with Infinite, who might be interested in the area who are making the trip as well. So it should be some nice variety, but again, guys, we are excited. Uh, we'll have you guys covered with interviews and footage and all of that goodness on our social platforms, on Twitter, at OTN Media, Instagram, at OTN underscore media. And as John said, maybe we'll mix in some live streams, some articles, and all that goodness, too. With that being said, guys, I think we're just about ready to wrap up today's show, John, unless you have any other fancy notifications coming through there in the world of gaming and esports. Uh, let me check my Twitter real quick because that one pretty much tilted me when I saw that one come through. <laughs> uh, 
uh, because we all know how much I love premium memberships uh, because, you know, God forbid people support your organization already uh, from the kindness of their hearts. Now you're going to charge them to be a fan. Oh, that's fun. Cool. Awesome. Um, yeah, I hope some of those perks are getting into uh, events Cloud9 participates in for a hefty discount. Uh, probably not. Um, but anywho. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, well, are, are we wrapping it up now? Yeah, I think we're good to wrap up. Uh, so again, we'll be back. Uh, it might be a little bit of an extended break for the holidays. We could be back next week. If we are, it'll probably be on Wednesday again. We'll keep you guys updated on Twitter, uh, at Level Up Live. Uh, on top of that, if we do end up going a little bit extended, we'll probably take some of the time off around the holidays and jump back on. Uh, I think it's like January 6th would be the next date. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, if we haven't mentioned it already, you better be following it on social media because we don't even know what we're going to do. Who knows? Uh, but the only thing we do know is that that will do it for today's edition, tonight's edition of Level Up Live, the pre-Halo tournament edition of Level Up Live. But before you go, head on over to patreon.com slash OTN consider becoming a part of the Overtime Network. Fun fact, it's not $500, so you should definitely check it out. Uh, you will get access to exclusive content that is not available anywhere, anywhere else in the world unless you're a part of OTN Media. If you haven't already done so, make sure you follow the show on Twitch to catch the next episode of Level Up Live. If you listen to the show on our podcast feed, please leave us a review. Level Up Podcast is available on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. We would love to hear from you. In fact, we'd love to hear from all of our community members so much are multiple ways for you to reach out to us. Joey, what are some of those ways? Absolutely, guys. Start on Twitter and follow the podcast at Level Up Live. That is LVLUP Live. In addition to that, you can follow the Umbrella Company, OTN Media, on Twitter and Facebook at OTN Media and on Instagram at OTN underscore media. Last but not least, hit us up with a follow, maybe even one of those juicy Twitch Prime subs over here on Twitch. Twitch.tv forward slash OTN Media. This show, Level Up Live, is Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, schedule changes here and there, so you want to tune into that Twitter account. We may be recording next week. It'll be Wednesday if we do. We'll keep you guys updated again. Twitter at Level Up Live is the place to check that out. All right, like Joey said, we're going to keep you on your toes for next week. Good chance we may not be back until January 6th, but again, make sure you follow those social media accounts Joey just read off for you. Uh, worst case scenario, we'll see you in 2022. Uh, best case scenario, we'll see you next Wednesday, but do pay attention there. Uh, but that will do it for Level Up Live tonight. Make sure you hit that sub and follow button to know when the next episode of Level Up Live is ready for your entertainment pleasure. We'll catch you all next show. Have a fantastic weekend. Tune into Halo. Play some Halo yourself. We will catch you next time. Enjoy the holidays. Be nice to your fellow gamers online. And as always, level, level up. up.